Now, if you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Mark chapter 16. We've been in our series called More, and the idea behind that is that as believers, there's a desire inside of us for more of God. We want more of everything that he has for us. We want more of his power and his presence in our lives. And last week, we were talking about the Holy Spirit is the more of God to make us like Jesus. That there is the fruit of the Spirit, which means that when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and he dwells in you, now what happens is your life begins to produce fruit that is the Holy Spirit's fruit in your life. It's peace and joy and patience and kindness, self-control, gentleness. All of these things are the result of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And this week we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because just as the fruit of the Spirit is there because the Holy Spirit's making us look like Jesus and have his character in his heart, the gifts of the Spirit were given to us so that we can have a ministry that looks like the ministry of Jesus. Uh, what's really easy to have happen, though, especially in the Western church, is you pick one of these, the fruit or the gifts of the Spirit, and you just focus on that and you neglect the other. And that's like when you go to the gym, if you guys ever gone to, you know, powerhouse gym or something, and you see the meatheads, and they're just sitting there with a hundred pound dumbbells, like, ah, ah, and they're scaring you, like, whoa, buddy, don't eat me, we're cool. Or, they, you know, they're just throwing up 500 pounds on the bench press, and you see these guys, and all they're doing is working their chest and their arms, and that's it. And they completely forget about the fact that they have little stick legs that have to support this mass on top of them. And so they're walking around like this, and a little breeze kind of sends them going. Because what's happened is they've become deformed because they've just been working and seeking after one thing. So they're deformed up here, and then they're deficient on the bottom half to be able to support them. And the same thing happens to us. If we're just seeking after the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then what happens is we become deformed. And you don't have the foundation and the character to be able to support the ministry and the platform that God's going to give you. If you focus only on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then what happens is you're building up your core, you're building up the strength to be able to walk through life, but you're going to end up being deficient in the power to be able to propel you into the ministry that God's called you to. And so it's really important that we're seeking after both of these things equally. We need to have a healthy balance of the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit inside of our lives. And so let's take a look, um, beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, he's, uh, Paul talks about what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. And it's good that we have an understanding of this before we dig into it. So we want to know what are the gifts, uh, how do we receive these gifts, and how is it that we use these gifts in our ministry. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit of, uh, for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 
Now, uh, one of the most controversial things and one of the things that causes the biggest split in the Western church today is the idea of the spiritual gifts and the role that they play in the life of the church and in the life of the believer today. And are they still continuing today or are they just for a certain time? Do certain people have them? Do certain people not? And this was something that was occurring even in the early church. As the Apostle Paul is writing, uh, he's addressing this, and that's why he says, I don't want you guys to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts and how it is that they operate and what they are. And so we need to make sure that we are informed in the area of spiritual gifts, and we need to have a clear biblical understanding of what they are, why they were given to us, and how it is that we can use them. And like all good theology, when we want to know where to start, we look to Jesus, because Jesus is the model for us in all of these things. And it begins with, when we look at Jesus, why was it that he came to earth? Jesus answered this, because I imagine that the disciples were kind of wondering this. uh, What's the whole point of this ministry? Where are we going? Where is this plane heading? And Jesus himself says that he came to seek and to save the lost. That through his death, burial, and resurrection, he paid the price for our sins, so that now we stand guiltless before the Father when we put our faith in him for our salvation. There's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame for us. We are pure and spotless. We have the righteousness of Christ. Jesus completely atoned for our sins on the cross. And all we have to do is repent of the old way of life and turn our hearts to follow Jesus. But he didn't just come to provide the way for salvation for us. He also came to seek us out. He came to proclaim the good news that new life and salvation has been made available through him. He didn't just provide the salvation. He was the herald, the one who began to announce it and to proclaim it all over the place. The freedom and the new life that's been made possible for us as subjects in the kingdom of God. But Jesus doesn't even begin this ministry of seeking and saving the lost until he's 30 years old. This isn't something that he spent his whole life doing. And there's one event that we can look to that inaugurated this ministry for him. And it was when he went down to the River Jordan and he was baptized by John the Baptist. And it says that as he does this, when he's coming out of the water, it says the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. And they hear God say, this is my son whom I am well pleased with. So Jesus receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of you guys are saying, wait a second, how does that happen? Because aren't God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all part of the Trinity? And yes, they are, and this is how it happens, and it is a very confusing doctrine. But Jesus, when he came down from heaven to take on human form, he chose to limit himself. It says that he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself of these things so that he could fully identify with us in the way that we live life. He chose to give up some of his divine attributes and qualities so that he could live the human experience that we live. And in doing so, he could model for us what was possible for the human life when we are fully submitted to God and filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus didn't come to model what life would be possible for us if we were God. He came to show us what our lives could be like with him, with God inside of us. And so when we look to Jesus, we have to understand that he is setting the model for us that we're all following after. Not just a kingdom ethic that he's teaching, but he's setting the example of what the holy possible is for every single one of us as believers. And so what happens is uh, he goes out into the desert after he's filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and he's tempted by Satan. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is produced in his life. He's able to go 40 days of fasting and resist the temptation. Satan's like, hey, I bet you're hungry now, so uh, you're the son of God, right? Why don't you turn these stones into bread and you can eat? Now, I don't care how bad stone bread might be. If you've gone 40 days without eating, that's going to sound really good. But he's that's some serious self-control that's being produced in his life, and that comes from the Holy Spirit producing fruit inside of us. But then after the temptation, he resists Satan in the desert, he comes back into Galilee, and it says this of him after he's received the Holy Spirit. It says in Luke chapter 4, 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. It says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. This was something different than how he had been before. Now the power of the Spirit is in him because he's received the Holy Spirit. And what that word means in the Greek, dunamis, means an explosive power. It's the word that we get dynamite from. It means that it's a supernatural explosive power, that now Jesus returns with the supernatural explosive power of the Spirit in him. Because remember, the Holy Spirit is God. Nothing is impossible for God. He has all power and all authority. So if the Holy Spirit is inside of you and working through you, that means that the uh, nothing is impossible, supernatural, explosive power of God now resides inside of you through the Holy Spirit. And then crazy stuff starts to happen. Jesus goes out and he begins to see sick people and he starts healing them. I mean, this isn't stuff that happens normally, right? When someone just comes up and prays, they get better. He goes and he sees people that are blind, and he prays over them, and blind eyes are opened. He sees people that were born crippled from birth, and he prays over them. And it says that they get up and they're dancing around and they're jumping for joy like they had never been crippled before. He sees people that are severely demonized. I love, there's one story of a, a guy who, it's a kid actually, and the, the demon like, comes over him and makes him throw himself into fire and into water trying to kill this kid. And Jesus comes and he casts the demon out of the kid and he's completely restored. I love another story of casting out demons, the guy that has the legion inside of him, remember? And it says that he's running around naked in a graveyard and they keep trying to chain him up and they, he like, breaks out of his chains and beats everybody bloody. And Jesus just comes and speaks one word over him and then it says that the guy is completely clothed. That's a good start. You're running around crazy naked, just putting on clothes is real progress. And, and he's sitting there in his right mind, at the, right mind at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, and he wants to follow Jesus around. And people are just blown away by this stuff. And that's the result of it. When you see these kinds of miracles happening, you recognize that something different is happening here. These supernatural experiences made it so that when people heard what Jesus was saying about the kingdom of God, they didn't just blow it off because you guys know there are a million prophets out there in the world. There are a million gods and everybody thinks that theirs is right and you should follow theirs. There's all kinds of crazy people. But when you start seeing blind people see, when the lame are walking, when severely demonized people are clothed and sitting at the feet of Jesus, what happens now is people recognize that this God that Jesus is preaching, this gospel that he is preaching, there's power in it. It's not like the other gods that people are declaring. He's not like the other prophets of the other religions. This is a living God. Not a God made by human hands, not a God imagined up in the human mind. This is the real and true God. And the proof of it 
was in the signs and the wonders that Jesus was performing. And time and time again, as we read through scriptures, it says that Jesus looks at the crowds, he sees the people, and he's filled with compassion for them. And so what's happening is not only are people seeing that there is a God who is all-powerful, that there is a God who is true and is living, but they're seeing that there is a God who loves them. And that's what we have to understand, and that's what what these, these signs and wonders, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is there in operation? This is what it's saying, is that we serve the true and the living God who nothing is impossible for. We're not making this stuff up. And it also says and that this God that we preach, he deeply, deeply loves you. Yeah. And he's willing to move miraculously inside of your life. This was the ministry of Jesus. He's going around filled with the Holy Spirit, setting an example of what our lives can be like if we will fully submit ourselves to God's will and to God's plan for us, and if we will be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to produce fruit inside of us and allow him to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit inside of us to empower the ministry that he's called us to. So then, after three years, Jesus goes to the cross to atone for our sins. He is raised from the dead, and everybody is rejoicing because Jesus has conquered sin and death, and now they're going to see him establish his kingdom. But he tells his disciples that he's actually going to leave now and return to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, and that now he's handing the ministry over to them. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes in me and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe in me will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. They will drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, let me preface that verse real quickly, because that's been pretty abused by some people. Uh, you guys have heard of, like the snake handlers? That's not what this verse is talking about. And this is the key. Like they say, this verse says that we can pick up snakes, and if we're true believers, when they bite us, we won't die. Uh, there's, there's this one family that's running all that in eastern Tennessee, and having lived in Tennessee, uh, there's some interesting folk down there. And what's interesting is the grandfather, the father, and now the son have all died from snake bites. So I, you would think like they would catch on. What this verse is talking about is not when you go up there and like start smacking a snake around to prove that you're a believer. This is talking about what happened with Paul is a perfect example of it. He's on an island. He's been shipwrecked. He goes over there. He's building a fire, and he picks up a piece of firewood, and there's a viper underneath it, and it bites him. And he's like, stupid snake, you know, and he goes and sits by the fire. And all of the people that are living on the island, they're all watching, waiting for him to die. I love how nobody says, hey, let's help this guy. They're just watching to see him die. Like, this is some cheap entertainment. We don't have anything else going on. Let's watch this guy die from a snake bite. And then he doesn't die. And then they start saying, this man is a god. This, I mean, the, first of all, let's watch him die to this man is a god, and they start trying to worship him. And Paul's like, no, whoa, I didn't even know I was supposed to die, first of all. Secondly, I'm not God, but let me explain to you how this happened. There is a true and a living God, and he's preserved my life, and he's able to then preach the gospel to them after their attention was caught by this miraculous sign. When it's talking about drinking poison, uh, the apostle John was forced to drink poison as a part of his execution. He was preaching the gospel. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't bow down to Caesar, so they had him drink poison to kill him. So he drank the poison, and everybody kind of waited around for a while, and nothing happened. People started going, oh my goodness, there is something going on here. 
there's something to this God that he's been preaching. It was an opportunity for him to preach the gospel and do all of these things. So uh, don't go handle snakes and drink poison and then call me from the ER because I'll pretend like I don't know you. <laughs> do not do that. Well, what Jesus is saying in this is that I want you to go around preaching the gospel. I want you to tell everybody how God has made a way for salvation through me. And as you go and do this, I'm going to confirm the message that you're preaching through the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating inside of you. And he's saying this isn't just for the 12 apostles. He says this is the sign for all believers that these things are going to happen inside of their life. That the ministry of Jesus, both in its proclamation and its demonstration, has now been passed on to us, the church. And so I'm imagining the disciples are like, well, how on earth are we supposed to do that, Jesus? We, we can't do these things. That's not inside of our natural ability. And so Jesus says to them in Luke 24, 49, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father to you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. See, before they're called to go out and to start this ministry, Jesus says, go do this, but first wait. Because you can't do what it is that I just told you to do until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. And he says, you will be clothed with power from on high. And once again, it's that word dunamis, that you will put on the supernatural, nothing is impossible, power of God inside of your life. And then you will be able to go and to boldly preach the gospel and you will see these things happen, empowering you and proving to people around you that there really is a God and that the message that you're preaching is true. And so when they received that supernatural power of God, the dunamis power that came to them in the Holy Spirit, it fueled them to go out and to preach the gospel that Jesus preached mightily and to do the things that Jesus was doing. It's what fueled their ministry. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the Holy Spirit comes to them. They're in the upper room. The Holy Spirit falls on them, and they go out, and they begin to use the gift of tongues, meaning that they're speaking in a language that they don't know, proclaiming the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and salvation through faith in him, in all the languages of the world. And they don't even know what these languages are. It was a miraculous power, and people noticed. They said, what is going on? How can all of these ignorant fishermen who don't know anything be speaking in all of the languages of the world? It caught their attention. It proved to them that something was going on, that the message they were preaching was true, and over 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus that day. Not because of how clever their preaching was, not because of some systematic uh, theology that they presented. It wasn't because of a system that they created for assimilation or any of these things. And those are all great things. But what's going to cause an unbelieving world to turn and to put their faith in Jesus is when they see the unbelievable. When they see the work of Jesus being done on the earth. And so in Acts 4, 29-30, the disciples, after this day, they're figuring out something's going on here. Like This has really been a game changer for us. And they want even more of this. And so this is what they pray. Um, they're praying to God and they say, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They're praying, God, give us boldness to preach the message that you preached. But then also we need you to stretch out your hand to do the miraculous things so that people will believe the message that we're preaching. 
And that's exactly what happened. Later on in the book of Acts, it recounts this in Acts chapter 14. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hand. They're preaching the gospel boldly, the message of Jesus, and then miraculous supernatural things are occurring, proving who God really is and that the message that we preach is true and demonstrating the love and the compassion that God has for you and to show that he really is seeking after you. This God that you might not ever have known, this God that maybe you've been resisting and even fighting against your entire life, he loves you. He loves you deeply so much that he would lay his life down for you. Jesus came to save and to seek the lost. We don't save people, but we've been called to preach the message of salvation. And we don't heal people. We don't have the ability to prophesy on our own. We don't have the ability to speak in other languages, just you know, pull it up when we want to. But what happens is God in us stretches out his hand to do the miraculous through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been deposited inside of us as believers to get the attention of the world that's around us and confirm the message that we preach. It happened in Jesus' life. That's the model that he set for us for ministry. It happened in the lives of the apostles. It happened in the lives of the church fathers. And you can trace and you can see how all through history, this has been something that continues. And when you look around the world in the Western church, uh, because of enlightenment thinking and all of that, we've gone away from the idea of the supernatural. And the Western church has been in just utter decline. The Western church is failing. It's on life support. But when we look at the church and the whole rest of the world, it's on fire. And the difference between them is that the church and the rest of the world believes in the supernatural, believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and is actively exercising these things to make disciples, and the church is exploding. And here in the West, we deny that. We try to just get by on the fruit of the Spirit. We try to proclaim a really wise message, work on our presentation, all of these things, and it's just not enough. We weren't made to operate as the church. We weren't made to go out and to do ministry based on our own power and our own wisdom. We need the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work inside of us. So then what are the keys to operating in the gifts of the Spirit? Is Number one, don't be uninformed. And that's what Paul is saying to the church in 1 Corinthians. Like, You need to know that these gifts are here. Therefore, today, therefore, you, you need to use these things to empower and to fuel the ministry that you've been called to. And here's what else he says. To each has been given a gift. It's not some people have these, some people don't. Every single one of us has been given a gift or gifts. Some operate in multiple ones. And here's what else I think. There's, there are gifts that each of us might primarily operate in, but the Holy Spirit can do anything he wants inside of us. Any one of these gifts can be used at any time. I have gifts that are my primary gifts that I use in ministry, but every now and then there's nobody else around, so the Holy Spirit uses me. And I'm glad to be used by the Holy Spirit whenever he sees fit to do that. So we need to know what are the gifts that God has given to us. And these are the different gifts. He talks about prophecy, and that doesn't mean predicting the future. Uh, what that means is it's bringing a word of encouragement to someone. And not just like, hey, I really like your hair today. It's God giving you a word to speak to someone to bring them encouragement or to bring confirmation to them about something that God has been speaking to them. 
something that you wouldn't know anything about. Uh, there are words of wisdom, and that is something that is speaking to something in the future. There's a wisdom that you don't have by your own human mind. It's the wisdom that comes only from God. There are words of knowledge, and that's where Jesus gives you insight into something that you couldn't possibly know on your own. It's not that you heard gossip said, hey, I just really feel like you're struggling with greed or whatever. You know, it's like God speaks to you and reveals something to you. It's like Jesus demonstrating this with the woman at the well. He says to her, hey, why don't you go get your husband? And she's like, I'm not married. He's like, yeah, I know, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now you're not married to. She's like, what? And he didn't say it to condemn her or to bring her shame. He did it to get her attention. And she's like, wow, I can perceive that you are a prophet because there's no way that Jesus could have known that unless it was God operating inside of him. And God will do the same thing to you. There will be times when he deposits a word of knowledge into you about a situation that you couldn't know about unless God gave that to you. A gift of healings. It's where God gives someone the ability to pray for the sick, and it's not that by you and by your power and your strength you heal someone. It's that God stretches out his hand and through your prayer brings healing to that person. Uh, and Brother Abraham, that church that went from 40 people to 10,000 people in six months, that all started because a bunch of armed militant Hindus came in and said that if you don't heal us, that uh, we're going to kill you all. And so they prayed for them, they were healed instantly, and they became Christians. And just miraculous healing after miraculous healing just kept occurring. And now that church in six months went from 40 to 10,000 people, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. But people are seeing that this God that you guys have been preaching, you 40 people for three years have been preaching, this is true. And the gods that we've been worshiping, they can't do anything like this, so forget them. We're going to follow your God. Uh, working in miracles. Uh, things that are just impossible, crazy, like Jesus going and walking on the water, turning water into wine, things like that. Uh, speaking in tongues. And that's like with the disciples on the day of Pentecost. They went out there and they were speaking in a language that they didn't know, a language that they didn't learn. They were just able to speak in another language to be able to proclaim the gospel to them. I have a friend that had that happen. He didn't even know what happened when he was on a mission trip in Brazil. Speaking perfect Portuguese to a woman, led her to the Lord, and then met up with her later and they discovered that she didn't speak English and he didn't speak Portuguese. <laughs> He's like, I didn't even know that I was using the gift of the Spirit there, but apparently I was. And then interpretation of tongues, the ability to interpret the languages that you don't know, and discernment of spirits. And this is talking about being able to hear someone, and this is a huge, huge gift that's in need today, because back then there were lots of false teachers that were coming around and saying things. And they needed to have the gift of discernment to know, are they preaching something that's true, or is there a false spirit inside of them that's bringing falsehood to us? And that's something that we need to reject. So number, we need to know what the gifts are. We need to figure out what gift it is that God's given us. And then number two, we need to seek after spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now the fact that you aren't using a spiritual gift right now doesn't mean that you don't have one. And there may be gifts that you want that you haven't used before, but you want to use them. And Paul says, that's good. You should be wanting more of God. You should be wanting more of the Holy Spirit and what he's capable of doing in your ministry so you can be even better and more empowered to make more disciples of Jesus. So go after them. And he says, and especially pursue prophecy. And why do we pursue prophecy? Because having people that can bring encouragement to the church in a world that rejects us, in a world that persecutes us and thinks we're insane, Encouragement is a really powerful gift to be using, and it brings benefit to the entire church body. And then, uh, I mean, just seek after it. I know John Wimber, who's one of my heroes of the faith, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he wanted the gift of healing. 
And that's a great gift to want and to pursue, and it's one that I'm always seeking after. It's like, God, I want, I want to be able to be used by you to pray for the sick and to see them healed, because I'm sick and tired of seeing so many people go through such suffering. And I want to be able to pray for the sick at U of M Hospital and have someone get completely better, and the doctors would be like, what the heck just happened? What? <laughs> like when they recognized that this had to be God. Well, John Wimber, he wanted that gift, and he prayed for over a thousand people to be healed before he saw one person healed. But he kept going after that gift. He said, I feel like every time I prayed for someone, they died. <laughs> he was like, but God kept saying, I want you to pray for the sick. I want you to pursue this gift. And he just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept seeking it. Now God gave it to him, and it was a gift that he used to lead so many people to Jesus. And then number three, listen to the Father. Jesus said this about the things that he did. He said, I've only said the things I heard the Father say, and I've only done the things that I saw the Father do. So here's how you use your gift. When you hear God say something, when you see God doing something, you bring that into earth as it's being done in heaven. There have been times when I've prayed for people for healing, and I just knew, like, this person is going to be healed. I, could, I knew this was what God wanted to do, and I prayed for them, and they were healed. That doesn't mean I only pray for people, and that happens. I'll pray for healing for anybody. And there's been times when I had a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom for something. It was just something that I heard God speak. We need to get that intimate connection. You need to have that relational tie, like we talked about last week, that you bear fruit when you're connected to the vine. You will hear God speak, and you will see what God's up to and what he wants to do through you in your ministry when you're intimately connected to him. So you have to spend your time in prayer, studying scripture, worshiping, listening. You have to be connected to the Father. And then fourthly, you have to obey. When you hear God speak something, when you see him doing something, it means that you have to have the boldness now to act on that. And here's something you need to know too, because... Uh, You'll hear people do absolutely insane, crazy things like, the Holy Spirit's leading me to divorce my wife and be with this other person who's much younger. No, that, you are hearing wrong there. Everything that God calls you to do will line up with Scripture. Everything that God calls you to do will be motivated by love. Everything that God calls you to do will always bring glory to the Father and that will bring God to the people that you're ministering to. There's a lot of people who are hearing their own crazy thoughts and doing it in the name of God. So we have to make sure that we're hearing clearly, but then also that we're being obedient. Because let me tell you, when God wants to use one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit through you, it can be a pretty uncomfortable situation. Because if it isn't God and if God doesn't show up, you're going to look like an idiot. And you have to be willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to look like an idiot. I'm willing to practice and grow in these gifts because there's been times where God's spoken to me and said, I want you to go speak to this person and give them this word that's for me and they'll just start crying. They're like, how did you know that? Well, this is what God told me. He wanted me to share that with you. And I'm like, hey, I just want to, I feel like God's wanting to say this to you. And they're like, nope. And I'm like, all right, I'm sorry. And that's why I say, I feel like, so that way I'm not putting it on God. It's like, I can be the crazy person, not God. But here's one, I'm going to close with this story. Dr. Mark Rutland, uh, who I knew because he was a Methodist pastor before and then he uh, went on and is just a phenomenal Bible teacher and operates uh, incredible gifts of the Holy Spirit in his life. And one day he was at the mall and he saw this couple and just in his mind's eye as he's looking at this couple there 
Uh, he just gets this picture in his mind of Jesus kissing this woman on the cheek. He's like, that was kind of weird. Don't know what that's all about. But then God says to him, I want you to go and to tell her what you saw. And he's like, absolutely not, Lord. That is insane. They're going to slap me or think I'm some kind of weirdo. And he's like, no, you have to go. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit was so strong on him that he went. And so he approached him and he said, you know, as I was sitting here, and I don't know if this means anything to you or not, but I was sitting here and, and as I was just looking at you guys, I got this picture in my mind and it was Jesus kissing you on the cheek and he just really wants me to share that with you. And he's waiting for the response. I go, oh gosh. And the couple just break down in tears. And the husband says to him, six months ago, my wife was going to work. And as she was backing out of the driveway, she ran over our two-year-old daughter and killed her. And we've been so racked with grief because of that. And two weeks ago, we were in the counselor and the counselor said, have you been able to forgive yourself of this? And she said, no, I can't forgive myself of this. And I feel like God can't forgive me either for what I've done. And he said, the way that she used to always view God in relation to her was that God was her father, her daddy, and that Jesus would give her kisses on the cheek. That's how she viewed the relationship with him. And she told me she didn't think that Jesus would ever kiss her on the cheek again. And so God used this man by giving him a word of knowledge and acting on that, something he had no insight into, but just through obedience to what it was that God was speaking to him, he went and he brought restoration and healing to this couple. Isn't that beautiful? That's what the gifts of the Spirit are for. They're not for our own amusement. They're not for our own enjoyment. It's for the good of us. It's to bring ministry. It's to bring healing. It's to bring restoration. It's to connect people to the true and living God, the one who cares for them so much. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to use these gifts inside of us, these are the kinds of things that we see happen. And that's what I want in my ministry. I'm going to teach the Bible to the best of my abilities for all the days of my life. But one word from God spoken to someone is worth more than all of that. Because you can read the Bible from front to back and be unaffected. But when you have an encounter with the living God where he confirms that he is true, that he is all-powerful and that he loves you and he's seeking you out and he has a plan and a purpose for you, your life changes in an instant. And then you're open to what it is that God's revealed to you in Scripture and you'll spend the rest of your life following after him. But it takes that encounter with God. And that's why God has given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's so important, church, that we don't shun these things, that we don't remain uninformed, but that we learn everything we can about them, that we pursue them and continue to ask God for them, and that we continue to listen to God and what it is that he's calling us to do, and that we're obedient to the promptings and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because what if Mark Rutland hadn't been obedient to what God called him to? That woman might still be living far from God, racked with guilt and shame and condemnation. But because of his obedience to being used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and a beautiful restoration and healing. Something only God could do happened. 
Would you guys stand with me this morning? Let's just spend a moment before the Father this morning in prayer. It's always important to see, God, what is it that you want to do with this now? important we come and and what is it that God's leading us to? Do you want the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in your life? Not maybe the, the preconceived ideas that you've had about them or some of the abuses of them that you've seen in the past, but do you want that biblical example of Jesus, of the apostles, of the church fathers, do you want that to be the example that's lived out in your life so that you can minister to those who are hurt and broken that are around you so you can boldly proclaim the gospel and so God can confirm with signs and wonders that he is the true God. If that's you this morning and you want that, would you just be so bold as to raise your hands this morning and say, God, I want more of your gifts. God, I want you to pour yourself out of me. God, I want to live that kind of a life. So Jesus, this morning over every hand that's raised, you said that you are the good father who gives good gifts to his children. You said that you would give the gift of the Holy Spirit to us. So, Father, we pray this morning, we thank you that when we made that decision to follow Jesus, that we received the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we pray that there be new indwelling, new filling, new waves of the Holy Spirit washing over us. God, we pray for new obedience to the leadings and the promptings. God, a new awareness inside of our hearts to the things that you're calling us to do. Jesus, we pray that you would pour out the gifts of words of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of faith, working of miracles, tongues, interpretations of tongues, discerning of spirits. God, we need these things in the church. You knew that we needed them, which is why you gave them to us. So today, we open ourselves up and we say, Father, our good Father, pour out these gifts in me today, not for my glory or for my fame, but that you might be made famous and that the world around us might be reconciled to you. Fill us up, Jesus. We want all that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.